Hello, my friends. I'm curious to know how many of you have a leadership pipeline. We know that great leaders grow companies because we talk to them here on the show every day. But what are you doing to create great leaders within yours? If you're a CTO, it is 100% your responsibility to grow and improve your people beyond just their coding abilities. We've built a tool that improves your people in their craft and in leadership. Visit leaderbits.io to learn more. Today we are talking to Andy Sin, the CTO of AppDirect, and we discuss being accountable to yourself, AppDirect's platform for innovation, and why individual ownership is one of the core values at their company. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Man, you having a good day? Uh, yeah, well, it's just my day just starting here on the on the West Coast, but yeah, it's so far so good. Nice. Is, is it bright outside? Is it beautiful outside? It is not. After a month of beautiful weather, it looks. I don't know if you can see it. It's just covered with fog in San Francisco. Oh, you're getting that season, man. We are. Yes. I was just there last month, and I got like the last end of the good, beautiful weather all day. You know, that beautiful weather lasted for weeks more than it should have, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're, back, we're back to, you know, I guess, what's normal. All right, so your day's just starting, right? So that means it's like 9 a.m. over there. It is 9 a.m. over here, right? See, I just had lunch. So I'm like, <laughs> I, I've already, I've, I've got like crazy productive day, right? Mm-hmm. We've shipped code, we've done everything. We're like on cloud nine and, and uh, just finished up some lunch. So I'm all like pumped up. And then, uh, you know, you're, are you a morning person? You know, I am a morning person. I'm, I'm joking that my day started, but uh, we actually have uh, our company after it. We have our dev teams all over the world with a lot of people in Montreal. So that's uh, East, Eastern time and mm-hmm. more people in Buenos Aires, which is even one hour further east. So I get up in the morning and there's just a whole slew of uh, emails and the Slack messages. Oh, yeah. That's actually one of the most recurring guests on the show is, is Slack. <laughs> we have with the show to be... That's right. Love AppDirect. I was very excited when I saw we were going to have you on the show. But what what is AppDirect? Sure. Let me tell you what AppDirect is. So we call ourselves a cloud commerce company. And the way I think about it is if you're a small software vendor, and you know that's what really gets me excited because our customers are software vendors, AppDirect gives you all the tools you need to really sell or monetize your software. We offer marketplaces through which you can sell your software. We offer you the billing, something like what a Stripe or a Zora does. We let you power resellers. Anything to do with getting your product out there and uh, selling it and making money. That's one side of the business. The other side is for users. As cloud computing just becomes more pervasive and everyone's using it, we offer tools to make it easy to manage multiple cloud uh, software from multiple vendors. single sign-on, uh, you know, uh, doing kind of charts, doing uh, searches across apps, getting feeds across your different apps. So we provide a suite of products for that as well. That's awesome. So do, do you have any line of business where developers find you through your tools? Um, in a sense, yes. Um, what we do is we have these third-party uh, marketplaces uh, all over. And let's say you know, Comcast is one of our customers. And if you're a developer and you, and you want to, let's say, sell your product through Comcast, you can, you can you're probably pick up a phone, talk to a biz dev guy, and they'll tell you, well, 
you need to go and integrate Dr. Act. And we just have a net. Oh, all right. You, did you hear that noise? I did. That was me getting it. That was me having the idea. No, I, let me make sure my notifications are off. No, I think that was mine. Unfortunately, that's, that's my, I think that's my antivirus, which pops up every couple of hours in the morning. <laughs> oh no. See, you know what? Now I get it because it's uh, I gotta be honest. I was, when I was first looking up the site, I was like, all right, I, I kind of understand, but my mind started to try to imagine use cases mm -hmm. for it. Like I could see the collection of tools. I was like, all right, I could, I could see this. But when you just connected it with like an enterprise saying, hey, you know, we serve Comcast. So if you're going to be one of the 100,000 vendors Comcast use, they just say integrate with AppDirect and that makes their life easier. Is that, am I getting it? That's absolutely it. And, and if you're a vendor, the last thing you want to do is integrate once with Comcast, then once with Intuit, once with Deutsche Telekom. Oh, yeah. Instead, you integrate one staff direct, and then you and we can then distribute you throughout all our global uh, vendor network. Ooh, that's really cool. It's like a, it's like Zapier on steroids. <laughs> sort Maybe. of, yeah, sort of. Yeah. I mean, Zapier, as far as I know, Zapier helps you connect with other apps. It doesn't help you sell your own app. So we're all about like getting your product sold. See, I'm really good at asking bad questions, and that's how we get the clarity. <laughs> these are these are great questions. And you know, I'll just expand a little bit more. And please, yeah. One of the reasons I love actually being at AppDirect, uh, and what makes this question hard to uh, uh, to answer, is at AppDirect. Really early on, we said as a company we want to be a what we call a platform for innovation. Now, what does that mean? A lot of great companies they get one amazing product out there and they just iterate on that product until it becomes bigger and bigger and there's this massive company. For better or for worse, we don't do it that way. We like, for a company of our size, uh, we just, we like to launch new products, try new things, some of them succeed, some of them don't. And we're always trying different things, which is really fun for me and my job, and, I, and I would, I'd say fun for the people who work here. It makes it a little hard to explain what we do, because we do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So, you know, it's a, it's a, very, it's a very broad mission. You're right. You're right. Because most of the time we have this, like I talked to DoorDash yesterday, right? And they're a food delivery service. They're oh, in great. I, I use them all the time. Lo love that company. Oh yeah. So yeah. I was talking to their CTO co-founder. They started out at uh, Stanford and, and the, uh, one of the co-founders is actually a native to uh, like the San Francisco mm -hmm. uh, Mount, Mountain View area. So first of all, I, I want to tell, before I forget, your site is beautiful. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I love the guys who worked on it. No. Oh, the isometric uh, animation mm -hmm. is is like it's really, really. I don't know. I was just. I was. This is new, though, right? This has to be a newer interface in the past like month. Uh, I won't say it's the past month. Uh, it's but at the beginning of this year. It's a, it's a twenty eighteen version. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but it's. Uh, I really like it. And I love that isometric style. Have you noticed that design trend that happened? It is. It's becoming more prevalent over the last year or so. Yeah. So yeah, so kudos on the website. I'm, I got a couple of great ideas after scanning down the, um, the site. So tell me a little bit about how you got involved in technology, how you ultimately came to work uh, with AppDirect. Oh, sure. I mean, I've always been in technology. I mean, I started out as a computer science grad at uh, Georgia Tech, uh, worked on the East Coast. and then in 2000, I heard there's this thing called the dot-com boom happening. It's, it's all huge in San Francisco. So I literally put all of this, my stuff into a car and drove to San Francisco and joined a startup. It was all shiny and new. And of course, six months later, the bubble burst. 
uh, and then you know we have to build up again. Um, so since then, I've been working in different technology and product companies. I was uh, the product manager for uh, Salesforce's App Exchange, which is also a marketplace of uh, of software. So in 2009, when uh, Nick and Dan were the co CEOs of AppCorrect, they just had this idea, and they were looking for people who could help build on this vision. And they were looking at, well, who has experience doing software marketplaces? And in 2009, there just weren't a lot of people in this space. So they contacted me and said, hey, we're starting this new startup. Like we saw that, you're, that you were involved with the Salesforce App Exchange, and do you want to be part of it? I mean, at that point, I just pretty much decided I want to do a startup uh, next. Um, hopefully, it would be, go better than my startup experience in the year 2000. And so I joined uh, AppCorrect, and uh, it's been great. Yeah, a lot of people had not awesome experiences in the year 2000 for startups. Exactly. So you were at uh, Salesforce. How long were you there for? I was at Salesforce for about uh, two and a half years. Did you ever hear the story about like how he was at Tony Robbins' event, and he was like, I'm going to do Salesforce. And Tony Robbins was like, great. And then that's like when he had made the decision to do it. You know, I haven't heard, had that, heard that story, but I have interacted a couple of times with Mark Benioff and that sounds just like him. I mean, I, I, I believe that story right off the bat. <laughs> so what, what was like your earliest experience with technology? How did you come to even fall in love with it? What was it? Was it a, a video game, a computer? Oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to really age myself. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. Back in the prehistoric ages, uh, when I was a little kid, uh, my dad got me this uh, computer, but it was this uh, it was a ZX Spectrum. It was like this British mini computer, which ran basic. It was like an Amiga. And I wanted it for video games, but the only way to actually get video games onto it was you had to type in a basic program and hit run. And I was like, okay, so if, if that's the way I'm, I'm, I'm gonna play, then that's the way it is. And I started programming at that point, uh, really enjoyed it, took programming classes in school and decided to make it my career. Nice. So you're a fan of the agile software Absolutely. process, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I always like to ask people, just because I'm, I'm a realist, how long did it take you to figure out that like you had to do that and you couldn't just like Wild West build software? Okay. So uh, I got indoctrinated into Agile a long time ago. Uh, Salesforce was a huge Agile shop. Uh, I was a product manager there and they made everyone go through Agile training. Um, after Salesforce, I worked for a while uh, in a different company. And the guy in the office next to me was Jeff McKenna. Uh, he was one of the original uh, guys who signed the Agile Manifesto. And it was, we were creating a, a software for Agile project management at that time. And I, had a and I had a chance to really talk with Jeff and kind of absorb the philosophy. And what I take from Agile is Agile is true. It's not some magic techniques that will make your software development process better, but it's a way of thinking which will expose what exactly is going on and then give you the tools to make improvements. So I don't really buy, oh, this is what Agile means. This is exactly what you do. I like the idea of, okay, am I measuring how things are going? What's going, what's going well? What's going not well? and being able to iteratively fix that or improve on that. And over the long term, or frankly, even over the, over the short term, that is so much better than Wild West, where you wake up one morning and you say, oh, I've got this amazing idea for doing, doing development, let me try it out. Yeah. But that just doesn't work. Yes, I found it out, uh, I, I got started very early. So my father was engineering and then I got into programming, you know, I think I wrote my first 
couple lines of code around, I'm in my early 30s now. And then I would say it took me about, you know, it took me working with the team to figure out how to really organize it because that's when I got away from my checklist of things I needed to do. Right. And then we got into a group where you would, you know, delegate and iterate. And so, yeah, so it took me, but that whole process from the time I started programming and, and writing code until I got with an actual team was probably about four or five years. So I did it wrong for a good amount of time. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing, I mean, I've discovered is, I mean, I've worked in, well, even at Correct, like we've been around for about eight years and we've grown from, three people in a room to now about over 700 people. Um, as you scale the number of people, as you scale the number of locations your team's in, you have to change your processes. The same agile process, which worked amazing when there were like five people in a room, doesn't work under 300 developers across three conferences. Um, and oh, yeah. I, I like the fact that agile gives me the framework to be able to measure what's working and not, and be able to change as the company and the mission and the team changes. Yeah, you know, I was actually reading a um, a pretty good article uh, by one of the engineers at Intercom, the chat company, which we've come across them. But they were talking about exactly what you just said, the, how they have to adjust their processes at different stage of growth and based on what they're doing. And he gave a really nice like, like roadmap view of di several different stages as they mm -hmm. had progressed. And I, I enjoyed that because it allowed me to give this, you know, essentially like 10, 15 minute read to someone to say, look, it's not just do this and it, it's perfect. I was like, look at what actually happens as your company grows. And so that was a good, good point of, um, of reference. No, absolutely. I mean, if I look back at uh, AppCorrect and the journey we have done in terms of the development team. So we started out, you know, it's all co-located, you know, five developers in a room, you, you've got a whiteboard behind you, you put down and stick, you put down notes, you put down sticky notes, it's very agile. Then we started growing as a company. We started having team members in different locations. And we said, well, we really want to recreate that. And we had a lot of collaboration. Obviously, we use you know, collaborative tools like GitHub or Atlassian. Make sure everyone's on the same page. We used to have stand-ups with, uh, with video conferencing. We even bought one of those robots. You know those little robots with an iPad on it? So, Come on, like the Segway-looking things? Yeah. yeah. We, yeah. We, <laughs> So we, we had a we had a robot in every office so that you know you know if there's a stand up and someone's remote they could pilot the robot in so we did all of that and after a point it's like even with all the technology we threw at it it just wasn't the same so about a year or so ago we actually said you know what all of this technology is great but now we're at a point that we can see that nothing really is as good as it was in the old days with like five people in a room so instead of trying to use technology to enhance the teams, we started distributing the work and said, okay, you know what? If you're in the Montreal office or you're in the San Francisco office, you've got a theme, you've got a team, and as much as we can, we need to co-locate people in there. And you go back to using just the yellow sticky notes and drawing on the whiteboards. And you know, it's almost come full circle in our journey. I love it though. And, and you know what? I I've gone back and forth in my life about loving and hating the remote work. Mm -hmm. But what you just mentioned is there's just this, it's a multiplier of being able to look at someone in the eyes when you're talking to them Absolutely. and being able to describe the idea and being able to point at the board and, every, and the energy in the room and the excitement and all of that. It's, it's like, this is definitely the way life was meant to be. Right. Right. 
And as much as I love that, I'm also interested in seeing what's going to happen with like the hollow lenses and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Cause those, some of the, um, like the, the prototype things I've seen come through like on LinkedIn videos where people have these like lower res renderings where they can all like have the camera set up and it looks like really promising. Absolutely. Like we're, we're always looking at things like that. So we actually have an Oculus in the office, which we're, we're, we're trying out. Um, yeah, I think that could be the game changer. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, in the end, uh, whether it's looking someone in the eye, maybe you can replicate that with a HoloLens. But after work, the letting off steam by having a beer down the road, that you're not really going to get with a, with a HoloLens. And, and that's important, too. Well, yeah, that's once we're all in the matrix, man. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that day. That's when we have like the, the direct taps to our consciousness, exactly. right? Right. <laughs> so how, how large, you, you mentioned you have, you know, uh, several hundred people, right? And how large is the actual like engineering team? And then a little bit about the structure of how engineering is divided up. I mean, I know it's specific to the nature of your business, but everyone likes to geek out and hear how people do it. Sure. Um, so our engineering team, by you know, broad sense, if you use you know, anybody in technology, sysadmins, DBAs, you know, the networking guys, everybody, uh, it's over 300, about 350 people. Uh, and the way we are broken out is we have a couple of vertical teams, and by vertical teams means by product teams. Again, AppCorrect loves to have a lot of products. We believe we're we believe that a, co a collection of well-made products which work with each other um, really enhance enhances the value to our customers. So, you know, we have people on our, you know, our billing product, our marketplace product, our reseller product, our search product. So you, you have people split out like that. Uh, and then you have a couple of horizontal teams, like the, uh, the platform team, the people who are rolling out our Kubernetes and, uh, and our container structure. Uh, you've got our DBAs who are keeping a lot of the, the database stuff alive. So it's, it's sliced up in, in that sense. Uh, and then the product teams themselves, they're very, very cross-functional. Uh, you've got not just the developers on the team, but we've got our designers, our, pro our product managers, and they work very much well, like, an, like you'd expect an agile team to work. Excellent. So I'm really curious, if you were to take uh, your day and slice it up into a pie chart, what would the three biggest slices look like? That's a good question. I'm going to answer it in the sense of what would my week look like because okay. it's lumpy. It's, it's more... I think context switching is generally bad. So I like to take usually bigger blocks of time and say like, you know, today I'm going to focus on this uh, and, uh, and another day I'll focus on something else. Um, but if I had to slice up my time, I would say on average, there would be you know, three different things. One is just thinking of one third would be like technology problems, like thinking about uh, whether it's like architecture or whether it's a certain technology choice that we, we need to make or um, how we implement the feature, but the classic uh, design architecture stuff is one third. Uh, one third is people, we have 350 people, so it's all about like, you know, what's the right org structure, what's the right team structure, um, you know, how do we resolve any issues, uh, and then another third, the last third, would be kind of dealing with how does technology at AppDirect work with the rest of the world, whether it's internally with, uh, with our own like salespeople, uh, with our product folks, with our, our externally, with our customers, like how can we come up with new solutions or uh, to issue, issues or problems people are having? So I would say it's like even uh, split between those three things. Awesome, that's a good one. 
Yeah, the people, that's super important. Mm-hmm. Especially since you've been there, you know, nine years, you went, like you said, from three people all the way up to this large number over 350. How has like your, like what were the big moments in your role changes when you're like, all right, we're at this point now, so I really can't do this part of the project. I have to hire someone. Like what are some of the big milestones over nine years? Sure. I would say the biggest, um, the biggest mile, the milestone was the day where I kind of realized I just can't be hands-on and code anymore. I, I still have access to, to the code. I still, whenever there's issues, I still look, uh, look it up to see what's going on. I still look at the commits going in, uh, but I don't contribute to any code. I don't uh, submit any pull requests. And I think that was a big shift. And I think it's a shift for pretty much every guy in technology who, uh, joins a startup which goes big, that sometimes you just realize that as much as you think you're a great coder, you're just not going to be putting as much value if you're sitting down there trying to knock out a feature as you would in doing something else. So that was a big, uh, tra- a big transition. Um, the other transition probably was when, they all happened I would say almost around the same time, when we needed, we need, when I realized we needed layers of management in technology. Um, you know, it started out with me and a couple of guys, and then I was like, well, I was the manager of everybody in, in engineering, and then we had a bunch of managers, but we still all knew each other, it was still a small group. But once you reach about, let's say, 100 people, you start needing to have like spans of layers. You need to have directors. We, had, we brought in uh, a great uh, VP, actually, one of the guys I worked with at Salesforce. And you have to kind of think about org structures. That was another big uh, change in the evolution of my role. I noticed that when you get to that hundred, a lot of people, that's when you get into the real teams of teams and you need that extra management structure. I, I actually spoke with one company who tried to flatten it out <laughs> and um, they didn't get the best results, but <laughs> um, I'm just sharing that because that's what the conversation I had with them was, right? Sure. They completely eliminated an entire layer and then try to tried to shift the responsibility to an individual in the structure. And then it just didn't work out the way that they, um, that they wanted it to, but that doesn't mean it wouldn't work out for another company. It's every, every oh, company. Absolutely. And the other thing that's maybe a little bit different that we do at AppDirect is despite this, we try really hard to put the pressure on individual ownership. Like ownership is a big word yes. at AppDirect. It's one of our values. So one of the things we do is, it does, for any feature that we roll out, any large feature, we have this concept called, uh, it's an acronym we've used, it's called the PDO, the Primary Development Owner. And we single out, like there's one guy in development, it doesn't, almost never is a manager, it's somebody who has skin in the game, who's writing a lot of the code. It's his, it's his feature, or his or her feature. And they're responsible for raising their hand, making sure the estimation is done correctly, and making sure it goes through the process, that it's done on time, it's high quality, moves to production, like throughout the process. And A, it's, it's a way of making sure that individuals get that responsibility and ownership. It's also, it also fosters that culture where you, know, you don't have an issue where people saying it's not my problem, it is your problem. You are the owner and you get that culture of ownership. And it's also great training for people who want at one point to like move on to, to management. Um, to see that you know this is what it takes. This is the kind of the bigger picture you have to keep in mind. 
So, you know, we need the spans and layers, but we try really hard to keep that culture of ownership going as well at the same time. Responsibility, mm -hmm. essential feature of every great leader, right? Mm -hmm. I'm curious, so 2009 has been several years, large company. I want to know where you learned your discipline. Well, uh, personally, I mean, I've worked at large companies before. Uh, I've, I used to work at Salesforce. I've worked at Walmart Labs. I've worked at IBM. So I'm familiar with large companies. And some of it is there. Uh, and then some of it is, is just the school of hard knocks that you learn as you <laughs> grow big. That's what I'm looking for, right? Yeah. And uh, again, going back to my ex example of, and this is where I think Agile really helps. Uh, when you look at every team that you have, when you can measure every sprint, we do weekly sprints, what's working, what's not working, then it makes, makes it easier to kind of step back and see, okay, this is the kind of discipline we need. Uh, we need spans and layers, but wait a second, if you've got spans and layers and you've got a manager managing everything, the whole individual responsibility stuff is going down. Uh, people aren't as excited and motivated as they were before. So how do we fix that? Well, maybe we, uh, we say that people can now step up and be uh, uh, owners of entire features. Uh, we look at, and one of the things we do as a company, not just in engineering, is we have engagement surveys. Uh, at one point, we start from every quarter. So we really keep a pulse on how people are feeling, what they like, what they don't like. And you know, this is important for retention, this is important for attracting great talent, and it's also really useful for improving processes as we grow bigger and getting that discipline, as you call it. Yeah. Well, so like for me, I just, I started to get busier mm -hmm. and busier and it was like this slow, you know, climb. And then I noticed that I kind of figured out discipline. It was, mm -hmm. I was looking for the area. I'm like, all right, so I'm, I'm having to prove over here. Then I have to improve over here and I'm going through all these things. And so I, I was listening to Elon Musk talk mm -hmm. and he was, he, uh, that's where I got one of my favorite things is his whole concept of first principles, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard that. Absolutely. And, and so what I looked at, I started actually just researching, looking for first principles that would help me amplify everything I'm doing in my life and then how I could actually like practice those things. And wouldn't you know, like I, found, I kept seeing the word discipline come up and listening to different people talk about it. And I thought like historically discipline is like what you do as a child when you're like getting in trouble, right? Right. And so, so I start looking up discipline mm -hmm. and see now I had an opposite experience to you. Like I never worked in a company that I didn't own mm -hmm. or was a, a founder, a part of. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't ever have that force, the structure forced upon me. Mm -hmm. I was always responsible for forcing upon myself and I was doing it at the degree to which I was comfortable with doing it, which as you know, like until you're forced out of necessity, you don't push as hard as you can. Absolutely. So then I found um, some of these great people talking about discipline and like throughout your own habits and your own routines, you can build up this discipline with yourself. And it's not like a negative thing. It's just, uh, you know, essentially being responsible to do the things you say you're going to do simply for you. Mm -hmm. And that I found was really a interesting life trick. Like getting up on time is not necessarily about getting up early, but it's about saying you're going to do it and then doing it. And then you get this credibility with yourself. And so, uh, I don't know why I went off on a tangent about discipline, but I, <laughs> I was just improving this week. Absolutely. I mean, it, it makes sense. And uh, I, I think it's one of those universal things that a lot of people do unconsciously. 
and they don't even realize how important it is to their success. This idea of setting goals and being accountable to yourself is just critical. I mean, it, you almost find it hard to know how you can be successful if you aren't doing that. Maybe unconsciously, maybe you never heard of the word term discipline, but I, my sense is that successful people just do it anyway. Yeah, you just have to do it. Like uh, the conversation I have most often is about testing. Mm-hmm. People ask me, they all, they're all hoping I'm gonna open my mouth and say something like some, excuse, some golden excuse that would relieve them of the concept of having to learn how to test. <laughs> <laughs> right? right. And I'm just, I'm just like, no, you know, you, you just have to do it. Like, it's just something you do. Obviously when you get into the details of it, there's variances, but it's, it's, if you're writing code, you have to be testing to some degree. Mm-hmm. Just, you just do it. And it's like, um, I say it's like working out, like everybody knows there's benefits to it. It just sucks to get into the routine. Absolutely. But once you do, you're like jacked and everybody right. wants to be you. It's like you're David Heinemann Hansen all this sudden by, <laughs> I don't know if you're a Ruby Rails fan, but yeah, uh, yeah or you're Martin Fowler instantly, right? Uh, Uncle Bob. So <laughs> uh, yeah, you just have to get into the, um, and that's where I got a lot of it too. I started, when I started looking up at some of the best programmers and buying their books and the best engineers and project managers and all of this stuff, what I realized is they literally just have the patience and the discipline to develop the habit the right way. And then they execute and then everything from there on, it's like a, it's like this curve, right? Because once you have the solid foundation, everything you do, you do with that as a second nature thing that's just happening. Absolutely. That, that makes sense. Uh, the other thing is, which you just touched on is the idea of learning from the best. Uh, and, and I think that's also a, a universally good thing It's always take the time to look at who are the pioneers in the field. I mean, whether it's a, you know, whether it's Martin Fowler or Elon Musk or whoever it is, uh, and seeing what, what, what is it that made them great. And some of those things you'll take, some of them you won't, some of them you think are not applicable, it, it doesn't matter. But always just exposing yourself to those stories, to those you know, learnings just makes you, makes you better and more successful. Yeah, and that's literally why we're here talking. I try. I find the best technology leaders in the world, and I come hang out and talk with them because you know I always want to be better. And, and reading is great, mm-hmm. but getting to hear the the real value, I find a lot of value in the backstories too. Uh, one of my personal goals is to uh, have a net worth of over a billion dollars, mm-hmm. and so the way I accomplish that goal, um, or Am, I, am accomplishing the goal <laughs> is I first went out and I found, I didn't read business books. I found the life stories of three billionaires, Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson, and Elon Musk. And I read their stories about how they grew up as children, how they went through business and where they got today. And that told me more than any business book on how to make money would tell you about becoming a billionaire. That is very interesting. I haven't read the Richard Branson story. I should put that on my list. You got the Musk one though? I've got the Musk one. I've got the Bezos one. Yeah, those are good too, right? Those are great. And you know, even like some of the non-technology uh, people, uh, like I read uh, Steve Jobs, and obviously he was technology, but it was the Walter Isaacson book, and I just got hooked on uh, the author. And then I read his books on everyone from Benjamin Franklin to Einstein to Leonardo da Vinci. Um, you know, those those are very inspirational as well. Oh man, I gotta check this out. That's actually one that I haven't done. I saw it. I saw the the size of it. And I was like, eh, 
<laughs> it's really good. The, the Steve Jobs one, right? The, the Walter Isaacson, the Jobs is, is really good. Book. All right. You sold me. I'll check it out. I, I'm a big fan. Do you do the Audible stuff? I don't do Audible, as a matter of fact. I actually do, I read an enormous amount just on my phone Kindle, but I don't do Audible. Really? On the Kindle? Right. Okay. Yeah. That's like, that's your habit. You sit in your, sit down, relax, and, and you have your reading routine. Absolutely. It's not very relaxing. I do it on my commute. I commute by a train. So that's when I really, yes. Nice. Now, is there a, do you, have you written a book? Is there one coming in the future? I have not written a book. Uh, not something I've, I've thought about. Not uh, something you've thought about. Something I've thought about. I mean, I would say that at least the last decade, even before after it, I've just been so focused. Like, you know, you mentioned that one of your goals is to have a net worth of a billion. Yeah. I'd say one of my personal goals just was, to take a company from start until it's a large company, whatever the net worth uh, makes it, just to be able to say that I've, take, I've had that journey from you know, startup where I'm, where I'm buying a computer and writing the first line of code to an actual well-established global brand. And I've just been focused on that. Well, you're doing it. It's unbelievable. It, it's, it's, it's quite a journey, yes. Okay, so what I'll do is I've got my second book coming out called Everything But Code, mm -hmm. and it's everything you need as a technology, like technology leader, uh, other than just code, right? Mm -hmm. So like the Fowlers and stuff, there's many great people who solely focus on that. And then so what I'll do is I'll include you in that. I'll just give you a little shout out, take some of your advice from the call and be like, hey, and then I'll send it over to you and you can be like, yeah, I won't sue you for that. And I'll be like, all right, cool. <laughs> I appreciate it. And uh, you know, uh, regardless of whether you give me a shout out or not, that's, that's kind of the, the books I like. Uh, so I'll, I'll, you'll, you'll probably get me as a, as one of your customers anyway. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Because, uh, it, look, it's important. Um, I had this realization, my brother and stepmom are both physicians. Mm -hmm. And so I got, and I'm, I'm a geek. So I'll like take a, instead of like watching Netflix, I'll, I'll like take a small course on understanding the basics of physics or something or medicine. And so I was watching this one on DNA and it was showing me how DNA actually replicates and clones itself and passes information on to the next generation of DNA. And I was like, that's the most human thing I can do is just pass, pass information on that's to the right. next generation and a media, we got the podcast medium, we got book mm -hmm. medium. Absolutely. And so, you know, I figured if I'm going to, everyone's looking for their purpose and, and responsibility, I said, all right, well, I'll just do the thing at my, my core, my lowest a code level component, right? Down to the metal, my DNA. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and then I'll just do what the DNA does. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just replicate all your knowledge. That's, that's amazing. So if you were like, let's say Elon Musk calls you up because you're in a very similar city. He flies you on his jet, right? You go visit the Tesla factory. He's got this time machine and you get to go back 10 years and give some advice to your previous self. Like one small piece of advice. What would it be? Just one? Yeah, just one. Like small, you could get like, you know, you could have like 10, 15 seconds to speak to yourself. Oh man, that's, that's really interesting. Um, there's a ton of practical things I could, I could say, uh, which is around, you know, take this decision versus that decision that might have you know, helped the company grow faster or something like that. Uh, but I don't think I would use, I would give any of that advice. The advice I would, uh, I would actually go back and, tell myself is all the experiences you're going to have over the next 10 years, just 
be in the moment a little bit more as you're going through all of those things, reflect on what's happening a little more than you have. Um, I've seen that a lot of times I look back and I was like, okay, those last three years, you know, here are some of the experiences that happened. Oh, that's, that's great. Oh, maybe I should now change my course. Whereas I think it would be awesome to be one of those people who would just be continuously analyzing themselves um, and being able to adjust course faster. So going back to the geeky agile terms, uh, I would love to be a person who could have a one-day sprint cycle, right? And that and that's the and that's the advice I'll give myself. That's amazing advice, and it's incredibly unique. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the uniqueness, but yeah, that's, that's one of the things I would uh, tell myself. So, what are you most excited about right now? Like, what's what are you springing out of bed for? Like, what's on your mind with AppDirect? As leaders, we're always getting ourselves excited about what's coming next and reevaluating so that we can drive ourselves forward. What's currently on your radar that you're pumped up about? So what pumps me up the most, uh, I'll be very honest, is got I deserve no credit for it. As much as I like to say that, you know, I'm helping build this great uh, product, this great company. There's a global trend right now where everybody across the globe in every country businesses are just using more and more cloud software, right? The, what happened with consumers with the iPhone is now being replicated across businesses and enterprises everywhere. And what that means is, in a, a little bit of a selfish way, the work that I've been doing for the last 10 years is just becoming more and more relevant and useful for people everywhere. So, I mean, that really pumps me up. Dude, it should, right? Yeah. It, it is. It's, it's massive. And once I understood what you meant, so one of my first projects was real estate software, but it was only useful to real estate companies that had over a thousand agents, which, you know, boils my total approachable market down to a hundred companies in the U S right. right? Mm -hmm. And what was happening, and this is in two, uh, early two thousands. So, um, this is before everybody got all shy about integrations because mm -hmm. they had the expense and the issues with them. And everyone was like, yeah, let's do everything. Right. And, uh, and yeah, all I could see is uh, everybody rebuilding the same thing and trying to build these, but your product, it would like incredibly valuable. Uh, and, and then to know that it was born in that time, you guys were definitely born out of necessity of what all enterprises were experiencing. Absolutely. I mean, it, uh, you know, when we first came out, like in 2009, 2010, if you were a small startup and you got your product out, the only way to really sell is to do web marketing and get people onto your website, which means not only do you have to be a great engineer to build your product, you have to be a great product person to understand what the market wants. You also have to be this amazing web marketer and know everything about SEO, SEM. Like, there's no other alternative. And while that's still incredibly important, uh, at AppDirect, we're, we're giving software vendors other tools. You can now get your, thing, get your product distributed across our different marketplaces. You can set up reseller networks using our product. You don't have to worry about complicated billing or pricing plans. You make it easy for you. And you know, that again, you asked what keeps me motivated and what gets me pumped up. I mean, this does. Awesome. So do you, do you use Twitter, LinkedIn? Where, where do you hang out most online when you do? I would say Twitter. Uh, I don't post a lot. I, 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 I'm way more of a lurker. I like to retweets than post stuff. Uh, yeah. 
And I don't really do a lot of other social media. I mean, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. I mean, everyone's on LinkedIn, but I don't use it much. I'm not active there. Okay. So what's your handle on Twitter? It's Sen Andy. So my last name and first name. That's really easy. Yeah. A little bit too easy. All right. <laughs> so if people want to find out more about you, connect to you, they can look you up on Twitter at Sen Andy. That's right. Awesome. Man, we did it. We made a podcast. We did. It's amazing. I mean, this is the first... I'm a huge podcast listener. This is the first time I've actually been on the other side and then uh, making What? <laughs> yes. Have you listened to any of our podcast? Yeah, of course. Oh, uh, you when, did? When I learned about you guys, I definitely went and downloaded. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kevin Scott was a cool one, the CTO of Microsoft. Yes. Yeah. I got yeah. there. And then uh, just so you know, so you're in San Francisco, some awesome CTOs in San Francisco. You got uh, Fred from SIF Science. Mm -hmm. And have you come across him yet? No, I have not. His, he was actually, uh, he did some work at Google. His company was purchased by Google. And then they had the team that they kind of like aqua hired uh, mm -hmm. rebuild Google Payments. So if you do Google Payments, you're using Fred's uh, technology. Oh, that's and, interesting. We do yeah. use Google Payments. Yeah. yeah. And then now he's um, has a large startup that's actually one of the investors is Kevin Scott, the CTO mm -hmm. of Microsoft. And it's called SIF Science. And they do this like anti-fraud thing that's massive, like Airbnb, all the big companies, um, basically like AI fraud detection. And Wait, so he- What was the name of this company? Because uh, again, we're actually, we're, we're actually looking for, uh, for a software like this. Oh, SIFT Science. SIFT Science, okay, got it. Yeah, and they're in San Francisco. Um, I actually was just, uh, I was out there for like the month, uh, almost or a month ago for several, for like two weeks, uh, meeting everybody that had come on the show. and that was out in San Francisco is really cool. Um, leadership guy, uh, Yazer, uh, the CTO of William Sonoma. Mm -hmm. You think that they're like a kitchen company, right? Like they do, they own the pottery barn, but mm -hmm. man, they're really, really smart and strategic. They just bought this large um, augmented reality company and they pulled the whole organization of like a hundred people in um, to, to digitize all their products. So you could like put your William Sonoma stuff on your countertop with the AR and, Rather than no, I, I believe that. I mean, I, like I said, I've, I've been in e-commerce retail. I used to work for Walmart Labs. And uh, yeah, these guys do, I mean, just generally that retail industry, they do a lot of interesting things with the technology, whether it's like the kiosk, the augmented reality. Um, yeah. 15 years ago, Walmart Labs was using this uh, Adobe Flex to do these, uh, these interactive things on the web uh, to sell uh, clothes. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of cool things happening in that space. I, you just brought me like chills. I remember Flex. Oh my oh, goodness. Really? <laughs> yeah, dude. That thing was, I don't yeah. think I've heard it. I mean, I, I, I used to develop in that like a long time ago. So it's really rare that I hear someone else who knows about it. Oh yeah. I can, I can see that like uh, the blue color in the background. Um, yeah, I know that, you know what I'm talking about, right? It was like a of blue yeah. UI. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That Flex, man. Cause I, I, got into scripting like some action script when I mm -hmm. wanted to make some uh, learn flash stuff. And then I got into flex and I was like, this is really um, interesting. And yeah. And then, you know, Yazer used to be at Walmart. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I, for some reason, his name sounded really familiar. I yeah. Yazer Anwar. I, I think we probably have some mutual acquaintances. Yeah. So, and he's in, he's in San Francisco too. It's a lot of great, and then DoorDash is in San Francisco. Dude, they're, they're over a billion dollar valuation and their um, co-founders under 30, super sharp guy. 
mm-hmm. talked with them yesterday. Um, so I highly recommend it. Anyways, there's a lot of great, I know you know that there's a lot of great people in San Francisco, but um, now if you ever want to uh, connect with anyone directly, I could just uh, straight introduce you to them. Great. Well, thank you. Uh, I might take your, uh, uh, let me look into SIF science a, a little bit, but I might uh, take you up on that and just uh, talk to them because we're all, you know, we're a, we're not a huge e-commerce player. We're, we're pretty big. We're not in the billions, but in the hundreds of millions. So we're always looking for anti-fraud or you know that, uh, security products. Yeah, and then the offer is open for anyone outside of San Francisco too. Mm-hmm. Any past guests, anytime you're listening to the podcast, you're like, oh man, I need Joel to like just send, send an email and introduce me to that person. I do that, and it works like surprisingly well. I guess I just facilitate the introduction and. Like I've done this about 15 times and it's almost always like always relevant and useful. And, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm useful and you know, people like feeling they're useful. <laughs> Look, I mean, networking is what makes this industry go around. I mean, yeah. it, it's all about the introductions and the other thing unique about the tech industry is like people are helpful. Like, and I've seen it on all sides. Like, you know, you, I've almost never seen these kind of intros where you're like, Oh, you, you, an intro to a VC or you need an intro to somebody to make a reference call or anything like I almost never hear someone saying no I'm not gonna do it they'll right people always take that time right and then it's always magical like Yazer from Williamstone they bought that company at the mm-hmm. same time I had this other guy on my show who is in Sweden and he just did this amazing technology they're publicly traded uh, in Sweden they have several hundred employees and they're doing very well and they're growing rapidly um, every day and and he just, and the reason why their growth is because they revolutionized the way you can store these digital objects. And I said, mm-hmm. oh, you just bought a company and your whole map roadmap is digitizing thousands of objects for a win. I was like, you two should talk to each other. Boom. Like they have useful interactions and, you know, one ended up saving the other a ridiculous amount of time. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I was like, hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the point of that long one is anytime you need anything ever, uh, reach out to me. I'll connect you with whoever you'd like to, or if you're experiencing um, a problem, I'll connect you with anyone at your uh, revenue size level or the level above you so that you could talk about the stages that you're going through. Because at the end of the day, you will go through a stage of going from 500 employees to 10,000. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you need, will need to pull in people that have done that and um, you know bounce ideas off of them. And they're always more than happy to help. Great. Thank you, Joel. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Andy. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Modern CTO Podcast. Share this. Get the word out. Thank you guys so much. I couldn't do it without you. I appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best.